Well, he stood alone, several yards away from his army's encampment, staring blankly into the sunset. From a distance, he appeared to be at complete peace, but inside, a war waged on. He raged furiously. His mind churned uncontrollably. The words of his doubters echoed, how can this man help us? From the get-go, those doubters knew he couldn't lead them anywhere. They wouldn't follow him out of a burning building, and they blatantly made that known. It's why he forced his way in every situation. It's why he cared so much about his reputation. He wanted to prove his doubters wrong. He wanted to prove himself wrong. Because deep down, he always knew they were right. And so what would people say? What would those doubters say once they had heard he had miserably failed yet again? And this time, it was a most costly failure. God himself had vowed to dispose Saul as king of the Hebrew people. Now, it's one thing to feel rejected by people, but to feel rejected by God. Well, that gravely distressed Saul. Guilt tortured him. Regret tormented him. Anxiety terrorized him. Saul was deeply engaged in heavy spiritual warfare. He was in a deep funk and nothing could shake him out of it. And we know what that's like. We know it's hard to shake the shame from wondering, how could I have been so foolish? We know it's hard to shake the frustration from never being able to catch a break with your health or your finances. It's hard to shake the feeling of being pent up with anger or anxiety and not even knowing why, of having no clue how to pick up the pieces to your broken heart. And it's hard to shake the hopelessness from struggling to find meaning in anything. When we're gravely distressed, When we are stuck in a funk like Saul was, it's like our once vibrant souls go dormant and we're in need of an awakening, a revival. And so we naturally gravitate and turn to pick-me-ups, Netflix binges, junk food, retail therapy, hours of online gaming, and other temporary outlets that later just make us feel way worse. But turning to pick-me-ups isn't living up to the authority that we had talked about last week, the authority that we have over the spiritual. And turning to pick-me-ups is like bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's being ill-equipped and ill-prepared for the war that wages on, and so is there a better way? I mean, what are we to do instead? When you and I are engaged in heavy spiritual warfare, What could we turn to that is a surefire weapon and that's sure to shake the funk and awaken our dormant souls? Well, we discover one option that is guaranteed to help as the rest of Saul's story unfolds. Concerned for his distressed leader, one of Saul's servants offered a rather odd suggestion, one that few of us may consider or think of. He said, command your servants before you. Let them seek a man who is a skillful musician on the harp. Now remember, Saul was struggling with some serious issues, and he needed some serious care. I mean, this guy was involved in deep spiritual warfare. He needed godly counsel. He needed a mental health professional or even a physician. 
Yet to awaken Saul out of his funk, his servant suggested he seek a musician. A musician? How could music be the answer for Saul's distressed and dormant soul? I mean, let's be real here. Here at City Church downtown, there is no question that we have some incredibly talented musicians. But when I'm down in the dumps, when I'm engaged in spiritual warfare, hiring them to play music for me is the last thing on my mind. And so why would Saul's servant make such a ridiculous suggestion? While the idea may seem a bit ridiculous, it was actually a stroke of genius. Now think about this for a second. We've all worked with that erratic boss. We've all worked with that guy who has everyone walking around on eggshells whenever he's in one of his moods, right? Well, Saul, he was on a whole other level of crazy. This was a guy who was willing to kill his own son in order to save faith. And if he was willing to do that, then without hesitation, Saul would have offed his servants if they offended him by bringing in priests and counselors and doctors. But a musician, well, that's just entertainment. And not just that, it is conceivable that Saul's servant intuitively knew then what you and I intuitively know today. And we know this, it doesn't matter what kind of day you've had, it doesn't matter what genre of music you enjoy, whenever you hear this, The warrior inside of you awakens. Right now, a handful of you either want to sprint a marathon or punch someone in the face. <laughs> or when this song comes on. Oh, I know. You can't help but strut down the aisles of H-E-B doing your best Travolta, pointing and winking at people you don't even know. And whenever you hear this, you either feel like this guy, or you feel like her. Now here's my point. We all have experienced music's impact on our emotions. We all intuitively know that music has the power to awaken us out of a funk, to awaken our dormant souls. And musician-turned-neuroscientist Dr. Daniel Levitin has proved that our intuition is right. In his internationally best-selling book, This Is Your Brain on Music, he explained how music changes the chemistry on our brains. His research found that listening to music sort of awakens various regions of our brain as music speeds up, as it slows down and pauses. A precision choreography of neurochemicals are released in the parts of our brain that deal with reward, motivation, and emotion. And this induces medicine-like effects on our bodies. Recent studies have shown music to improve endurance, reduce pain during labor and surgery, reduce chronic pain altogether. Recent studies have shown music to facilitate recovery of stroke patients and improve the cognitive ability of individuals with brain diseases like Alzheimer's. And for these reasons, get this, Dr. Levitin asserts that music is as fundamental to our well-being as food and sex. Now let that sink in. 
Music is as fundamental to our well-being as food and sex. We need it. Well, of course, it's unlikely that Saul's servants understood the science of music, but one thing is abundantly clear from the scriptures. The Hebrew people understood just how crucial music is to a healthy soul. Music was a huge part of the Hebrew culture. In fact, they had such musical prowess, Hebrew musicians were in popular demand among all the other nations of the world at that time. Musicologists tell us that while most societies at that time created a clamor of clanging noises, which those societies believed awakened their gods, the Hebrews, well, they created sounds unlike any the ancient world had ever heard. Their sounds were beautiful and sweet. And so what kind of sounds did the Hebrews use to create for the soul? What sort of music did the servant expect to shake Saul out of his funk? Well, we gain insight when another of Saul's servants chimed into the conversation. Listen to his remark. He said, I have seen David, the Bethlehemite, who is a skillful musician, and the Lord is with him. In the original text of scriptures, the word from which we translate musician is the Hebrew nagan. And when we observe everywhere nagan is used all throughout the scriptures, we learn a few nuggets that are critical to us today. First, we find that the music central to Hebrew culture wasn't simply catchy pop tunes. It was very specific in purpose. Their music praised God as the creator of all things and the preserver of life. Their songs reminded them that God was their deliverer. He was the source of their strength. And they sang songs to plead with God for protection and for direction. And on top of all that, Saul's servants specifically sought out David the Bethlehemite. Now, this dude wasn't your run-of-the-mill musician. He was a man after God's own heart. He was the best of the best. David eventually authored 75 of the richest songs to God collected in the Bible, many of which we still sing in some form or fashion every single weekend here at City Church. And so the nature, the nature of the music expected to shake Saul out of his funk and awaken his dormant soul, well, it was much like the music you just heard today, the worship music. Music aimed not at awakening God, but aimed at connecting with him intimately. Music that acknowledges what Jen regularly prays for us, that he alone is God and that we are not. And guess what? The other nugget that we gain by tracing Nagan all throughout the scripture is this. Connecting intimately with God through music always always yielded the same results. The same results we're desperate for when we're in a funk and when we're engaged in spiritual warfare and the same results that Saul experienced. Listen to how worship music impacted Saul. David would take the harp and play it with his hand and Saul would be refreshed and be well. Now this is consistent all throughout the scriptures. Whenever people worshiped God through music, yes, they felt better physically because of the release of neurochemicals on their brains, but they also were refreshed spiritually. 
Their dormant souls were awakened. Now that's how great God's love for you is. He designed it such that our worship of him isn't for him. Worship is a gift for our benefit. It's not like God needs our music to charge his powers like he's some sort of superhero. Our singing doesn't summon God like he's a magic fairy or a state farm agent. No, you see, we don't worship to awaken God. We worship because God wants to awaken us. We don't worship to awaken God. We worship because God wants to awaken us. Awaken us to his constant presence and his unending love for every single one of you. Awaken us to his perfect peace and his infinite wisdom for the very direction we're seeking. And so when you feel you can't catch a break, worship and let God awaken you out of your funk. When you feel pent up with anger or anxiety, worship and let God awaken you unto his peace. When your heart's been shattered into pieces or you're struggling to find meaning in anything, if you're engaged in heavy spiritual warfare, crank up that worship music and let God awaken your dormant soul. And this awakening, this revival of the soul is something I want us all to experience right here, right now. And so here's what I'm asking you to do. Two things. First, I'm asking you to resist the temptation. Resist the temptation to dart for the doors and leave service early. Resist the temptation to beat parking lot traffic or to close out your web browser when the message ends. And secondly, I am asking you to give yourself permission to connect with God for the remainder of this service right here, right now. Our musicians are going to play for you like David played for Saul in order that you may be refreshed and be well. And so give yourself permission to sing the lyrics. Let those be your prayers and your cries to God. Give yourself permission to stand or to kneel, to uncross your arms and raise your hands as an expression of surrender. Give yourself permission to cry. Give yourself permission to intimately connect with God or to look like a fool as you dance in the aisles. Right now, we are going to worship and allow God to awaken our dormant souls. So will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift that is worship. We thank you that you designed it, that worship is not for your benefit, Lord, but that it's for our benefit. We thank you that worship is what enables us to be refreshed and to be well. We thank you that you alone are God and that we are not. And so, Lord, the lyrics that we're gonna sing or that we're gonna allow to wash over us, Lord, these are our cries, our prayers, our declarations. And so hear us, Father. Awaken our souls. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. worship, 
not to awaken God, but because God wants to awaken us. So who's awake? You know, as we continue to unpack the spiritual warfare series, it's our hope that worship would become your watchword, that you would take on worship as just another piece of your spiritual warfare weaponry, your arsenal. And it is our hope that you would continue to go about your days in a state of worship, an attitude of worship, in all things that you do. Because when you worship, God will awaken you. He will show up in your lives. And so, guys, I just have a few more announcements, and then we'll stand and do a benediction, and then you guys will be released for the day. First and foremost, I just want to encourage those of you who missed out on baptisms uh, on Easter Sunday. If you're ready to show the world and publicly profess to the world that you have believed in Jesus and that you're choosing to follow Jesus, um, you can sign up to get baptized on May the 15th. You can get signed up in the back of this main auditorium. So for those of you who are watching in Ethos Cafe, you'll have to come across the way. Go to the back where they have the black tablecloths and you can get signed up over there for that. As always, our prayer counselors are up front to serve you, to pray with you. If you're going through something right now, uh, if you're down in the dumps or if you're experiencing some spiritual warfare, let us serve you by praying over you, praying with you, all right? So don't leave without prayer. Lastly, I want to encourage you guys, as we do every weekend, that one of the ways that we worship is through our giving. All throughout the scriptures, there's a giving principle called the tithe, and that is setting aside for God the first 10% of what he gives you. And listen to what God himself says about this giving principle. He says, bring to me the whole tithe, that there may be food in my house. Test me now in this. See if I will not open up for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Translation, when you trust God with what he's already giving you by giving back just the portion of that, he will bless you beyond your imagination in ways you never thought of. And so it's our responsibility and our privilege to make sure you guys know that. And it's why we encourage you every week to do your part to give here at City Church. And so you can give at citychurch.com. You can give at the giving kiosk in the back, or you can give by leaving your monetary gift in an envelope and placing that in one of the offering boxes. We're gonna continue this spiritual warfare series next weekend, looking at some defensive measures. Today, we looked at the offense. And so why don't you guys stand with us? Hold somebody's hand next to you. Reach across the aisles if you have to. And I'm going to speak a benediction over you all. And then we can go. And so brothers and sisters, as you go, may you go worshiping. That our God may awaken you unto his presence in your life. We love you guys, City Church. God bless you.